Today on the Matt Walsh Show, mega corporations are now condemning and boycotting the state of Georgia as punishment for a law that protects the integrity and safety of elections in that state. This is just the latest example of the wealthiest and most powerful institutions acting on the left's behalf, even as leftists pretend to be the counterculture resistance. We'll talk about that. Also, five headlines, including an attack on Capitol Police officers that is already being memory hold for obvious reasons. Arkansas moves to ban the genital mutilation of children, and a pastor in Canada shows us how to deal with agents of the state who infringe on our rights. And finally, in our daily cancellation, speaking of agents of the states infringing on our rights, uh, the CDC has given me yet another example or another reason to cancel them. So we'll do that. Talk about all that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. This is something we'll be talking about today plenty. So it's uh, it's good that it comes up now. Um, you know, Charity Mobile, I've been telling you about them for for months now, and they're one of my favorite sponsors on the show. They're the pro-life phone company. They are a company, a corporation, that uh, is actually on our side in the culture. And when we have companies like that, it's not its not only about not supporting the companies that hate us. It's also about supporting the companies that are on our side. Charity Mobile is one of those. 5% of your monthly plan price goes to the pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice. Now, we know the right to life is the key that unlocks other rights. Now, through April 16th, uh, if, you, if you take advantage of this, and you become a, um, a customer of, of uh, Charity Mobile, new activations get a free cell phone after instant credit, plus free activation, free shipping, and a free pro-life keychain. You get all of that. Uh, there's no con- no uh, contracts, no termination fees, and no risk with a 30-day guarantee. What that means is you might as well try it out. You might as well become a customer. If you don't like it, I think you will, but if you don't, uh, you're not locked in. They've got live customer service also based right here in the USA, which is really important too, getting those USA jobs on top of it. So if you want to become a Charity Mobile customer like I am, call them at 1-877-474-3662, or you can chat with them online at charitymobile.com. It was announced late last week that Major League Baseball would be moving the All-Star game and the draft out of Atlanta in protest of Georgia's new law meant to ensure safe and free elections in the state. The league commissioner explained the move saying, quote, I've decided that the best way to demonstrate our values as a sport is by relocating this year's All-Star Game and MLB draft. Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. Now, this move will cost Georgia $100 million. And when I say cost Georgia $100 million, I mean cost its people, the citizens, $100 million. Kemp, the governor, isn't going to feel any personal financial impact. Neither will any of the state legislators, legislators probably, who voted for the bill. All of the pain will be felt by the people who own or work in the restaurants, hotels, retail outlets, and so on around where the game was to be held. And you can imagine that these establishments had been relying on and looking forward to um, having the All-Star Game so they can start recouping a lot of the losses that they suffered over the past year. They're the ones who are going to lose money and will suffer the pain. This raises the question, why punish working people for the alleged sins of political leaders? Well, you might be able to answer that question when you consider why BLM militants would burn down a local convenience store for the alleged sins of the police. It's the same kind of strategy. There are other questions, more pertinent questions to be asked. Um, Like, why does Major League Baseball have values as a sport? And what does that mean exactly? And if a sport can have values, why would its values have anything to do with the election law in Georgia? Why does baseball have an opinion on Georgia election law? And if, quote, Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all, then why do they have a problem with the Georgia law? 
Despite the propaganda from the Democrat Party and its media mouthpieces, the Georgia law will not prevent a single person from voting. I say it again. The Georgia law will not prevent a single person from voting. Rather, it, it puts in place, so, or, let me, I guess I, sh- I should clarify, it will not prevent a single legal voter from voting. It rather puts in place some very minimal restrictions and requirements to ensure election integrity, including some new ID requirements for absentee voting. It doesn't ban minorities from voting or in any way interfere with anyone's ability to vote. It doesn't make voting hard or confusing for anyone but the most incompetent and befuddled. And if those sorts of people don't end up voting, well, no loss there. I saw, for example, somebody on Twitter complaining, and this I'm not making this up, complaining that the ID requirement for absentee voting may be confusing for people because uh, they might not know where to find their driver's license number on their driver's license, and they're going to need that in order to submit their ID for absentee voting. It's very confusing. Where where do you find the driver's license number on your driver's license? Well, you know, if you can't crack the code of your driver's license and can't be bothered to Google the question and solve your confusion that way, then we're definitely better off without your input. If, if, If that stops you from voting, then I am very glad that you have been stopped from voting because you are so stupid that you have really no business voting or, or, or acting in society as an adult at all. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about the fact that, you're, that you drive a car. I'm worried about all the other things you're doing, if you're that dumb. But other than the sort of fantastic idiots who cannot decipher his own photo ID, everyone else will still be able to vote in Georgia without a problem. That we're also going to leave aside for the moment the much-remarked-upon fact that the people protesting the ID requirements for voting are the same people, almost to a man, the same people, who want vaccine passport requirements for everything else in life. So you can't, it's, it's, we don't want to have a, an ID to, to vote once every two years, if that, um, but a, a vaccine passport to do everything else every day, that's fine. That's not onerous. In fact, putting that and everything already mentioned to the side, The question I'd really like to focus on today is this. How can the people who have major corporations like MLB taking their side still consider themselves to be radicals and rebels, members of the cultural resistance? MLB is not the only company to publicly take the left side on the issue. Coca-Cola, a company which, as Fox News points out in an article on its site, still requires ID to attend its shareholder meetings. They issued a statement condemning um, those same sort of requirements for voting. It said, quote, voting is a foundational right in America, and we have long championed efforts to make it easier to vote. We want to be crystal clear and and state unambiguously that we are disappointed in the outcome of the Georgia voting legislation. Well, Coca-Cola is disappointed. If that doesn't change your mind, I don't know what will. Delta um, also joined the corporate outrage brigade, brigade along with Apple Microsoft, Google, Citibank, and many others. Of course, most of the major media outlets are part of this crew. CBS published a news article, big air quotes around news there, pushing more companies to help, quote, fight Georgia's restrictive new voting law. That's a news article. But the most effective thing that these outlets can do in the media, as noted, is simply lie about what's in the bill. And they've been doing that with reckless abandon ever since it was signed. Once again, With the voter ID issue, as with nearly every other issue you can name, 
to include especially race and LGBT issues, the left has on its side, as dedicated advocates for its cause, all of the biggest and most powerful corporations in the world to go along with the media, academia, Hollywood, the government. Whatever else this means, it certainly means that if you are on the left, you are not a counterculture warrior seeking to tear down the system. You are the system. You are the status quo. You are the beneficiaries of all of the systemic privilege that society has to offer. It all goes to you. You are not oppressed. Every institution with the power to oppress people is on your side. And they oppress your opposition at your behest. You are the privileged elite. You are the defenders of the rich and powerful. You are everything you claim to oppose. Everything. You represent everything you hate. Now, you might say that I'm just a sore loser here, and maybe so. You know, I, I am, I admit, kind of sore about the fact that we live in a culture run by maniacs like yourselves. I'm sore about that, yes. But be that as it may, the point remains that you cannot have it both ways. You cannot cosplay as a radical in your black Antifa ninja uniform while also having Citibank and Microsoft out there doing your bidding. I mean, you can, but you're not going to be taken seriously if you do that. What about the rest of us? I mean, what about those of us who actually stand in opposition to the political and cu cultural agenda of the richest and most powerful people and institutions in the world? What about those of us who are actual critics of the system? Those of us who face real systemic disadvantage and even oppression? Wh what should we do besides complain? I mean, we got that covered. I have that covered. So we're doing that. Great. What else can we do? One thing we can do is realize how numerous we still are. Now, I don't buy the silent majority line. I, I don't think we are in the majority. And if we are and we've been silent, then that's all the more embarrassing for us. I sort of hope we're not in the majority. If we're in the majority and we let all of this happen and have been silent the whole time, you know, it, it, always, it always confuses me when conservatives say that proudly. We're the silent majority. Well, what are you doing being silent? You cowards? That's, that doesn't make me feel better. But even if we're not in the majority, we are still millions and millions strong. There's no doubt about that. There is power that comes with those numbers. But we have to use the power. We can't be squeamish about it. And this should begin at the most basic level with refusing to give our money and brand loyalty to companies that openly hate us. Coca-Cola, on the heels of, of telling its employees to be less white, remember that, is now openly fighting to make our elections less safe and less secure. We have to ask ourselves, is their product so important to our lives, so important that we're going to continue to purchase it, continue to collectively put millions of dollars into their coffers, even as they use the wealth and influence we give them to work against us and undermine us in the culture? Is that 20-ounce Coke you're drinking with your lunch that crucial to you? Would it be a major sacrifice to drink a different brand or better yet, just drink some water out of the tap? The answer is that it would be really no sacrifice. I mean, you could cut Coke out of your life completely and not feel the loss at all. Except the weight loss, maybe. And if we all did that, uh, however many million of, millions of us, if, if we all did that, which again, we could all do that with no effort, Coke would be a major brand, a billion-dollar transnational corporation that would actually feel the consequence of its own wokeness. It would feel it in a real way. They would lose millions of dollars 
if not billions. Again, we could make this happen while virtually sacrificing nothing and making no significant change to our daily life. You could cut Coke out of your life without any effort. Your life would be better for it, in fact. Coca-Cola is a bad product that makes you fat, unhealthy, and ugly. Also, the company that sells it hates your guts. I mean, how much more convincing do we need? We, we should never give them our, our money again. We, 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 could, we could do the same with these other companies. And in most, but not all cases, the sacrifice would be made with similar ease. Now, some of these companies are so ingrained in our lives that it would require a little more effort than others to extricate them from our homes and our lifestyles. Still, it can be done. What's the argument for not doing it? I, I don't think there is one. Not a good one, anyway. Not anymore. There may have been a time when we thought we could afford to take the high road on boycotts and similar tactics. I myself was under that delusion for a time, but no more. We have the power, some power at least, not the kind of power the left has, but we still have some power. And it's high time that we start using it. Now let's get to our five headlines. I want to take a second now to tell you about our good friends over at Rock Auto. You know, it's it's not a lot of fun to waste time at uh, these auto parts stores when you could be doing other things. It's it's even less fun when it's spring out and it's nice out and you want to be doing other things with your time. So why do that? Why walk aimlessly around the auto parts store looking for what you're trying to find? You're probably not going to find it anyway. If you do, it's going to be more expensive than it should be. Go to rockauto.com. Just pull your phone out of your pocket and go to rockauto.com. They always offer at the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. Uh, you don't need to spend up to twice as much for the same parts. It makes no sense to do that. Rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and uh, easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and you could choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, car or truck. And remember, as always, to write Walsh in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Well, I hope you had a blessed and happy Easter. Uh, we had a, you know, a lot of fun in my house. Started, with a, started the day with a 6 a.m. Easter egg hunt outside um, before church. We, we had to get it in before church. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't going to work to hold the kids off on the Easter egg hunt until after church. So we figured uh, we, we'd do it before. So I apologize to our neighbors for that uh, because we were outside doing an Easter egg hunt at like 6 a.m. Fortunately, my kids are, you know, they're only about as loud as a busload of coked up spider monkeys. So it probably wasn't that much of a disturbance. I have to say, though, Easter egg hunts have become... Uh, They've kind of gone downhill for me in terms of how fun they are. Ever since I got fired from the job of filling the eggs um, b- before the East Egg Hunt. So, so now I'm the guy, my job is to go hide them, but I don't get to fill them. And the reason I got fired from that job is a few years ago, you know, I had the idea to fill because my wife, you know, made the mistake of, of giving the job to me. And she like, she, she left me unattended and gave, gave me all the empty eggs and said, yeah, fill these and we're going to do the Easter egg hunt. And so I filled half of the eggs with things that no kid would ever want. You know, like olives. Some of them just had rocks and grass and stuff. And then I also put real raw eggs in some of the eggs. And I thought it would be hilarious. And it was um, until one of the kids opened one of the eggs with an egg inside. 
and dropped it and it splattered all over the place and got on his shoes and everything. And, um, and then it was a big scene. And my wife gave me that look that said, you know, you're, you're banned from doing this again. But I still think, I believe the game, it lent the game some necessary intensity when the eggs contained both good and bad surprises. That's my feeling on it. Now, you, you might, there are, there are those who theorize that filling the eggs is a tedious task. And so I did that on purpose so that I would be banned from it forever in the future and I would never have to do it again. That's also a theory. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to speculate on, on whether that's true or not. Okay, uh, number one, moving on here from the Daily Wire, it says, the deceased assailant who rammed two U.S. Capitol Police officers Friday and emerged from his car wielding a knife before, before police shot him has been identified as a 25-year-old African-American man from Indiana who believed Louis Farrakhan is an incarnation of Jesus Christ. Um, NBC's Pete Williams reported Friday that Capitol Police identified the suspect as a 25-year-old man from Indiana uh, who may have lived in Virginia. On his Facebook page, he notes that he's a follower of the Nation of Islam, according to MSNBC's Jesse Rodriguez, uh, and, and he's now dead. Now, that Facebook page apparently was deleted, like, within seconds. So some enterprising journalists, and by that I don't mean mainstream media journalists, but some other journalists on, on uh, Twitter went to Facebook and, and pulled a lot of this stuff and posted it before Facebook took it down. And they, they, it, it's, it's creepy how fast Facebook acted to take the page down. And why take the page down at all? I mean, I know why they did it. I know the real reason why they did it. But um, what would even be the stated reason? Yeah, the guy did a horrible thing. So now we, now we take the page down? What, why? I mean, it, it, it might tell us, it, it, it tells us something about his motives, why he did it. This is, this is all pertinent information. And of course, again, that, but that's, that's why they take the page down. It's because they don't want us to know. And uh, that happened, what was that? That happened on Friday. And here we are. On Monday, only a few days later, and uh, already, of course, the media has moved on. And we don't have to get into, you know, we, we could start, I could start pulling the tweets and everything from, from people on the left who, when, when we heard about the attack, there was something going on at the Capitol, and we knew that, a, that at least one police officer had been hurt or killed. And, of course, they were speculating immediately, just, just stating that it, might, it must be a white male. That wasn't the case at all. Um, we don't have to get into that. We know that's the way it goes. But already... Right down the memory hole. We know that's the way it goes too. The uh, the culprit is is not who they need it to be politically, and we, we move on very quickly. You know that that mass shooting by the Syrian immigrant. That was that ten people were killed, and we, we we stopped talking about that. It's like it never happened. That's the power the media has. To move the conversation, as I suppose they would put it. Um, number two, Arkansas passed a bill banning the genital mutilation of children. And I believe that, uh, well, the bill was passed by the Arkansas Senate. Hasn't been signed by the governor yet, I believe. But the Daily Wire reports the Arkansas Senate passed the Arkansas Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act, or SAFE Act, on Monday. Now it heads to Republican Governor Asa Hutchinson's desk for him to sign into law. The state government has a compelling interest in protecting the health and safety of its citizens, especially vulnerable children. House Bill 1570 says 
Uh, let's go to what the bill bans. Here's the list. Uh, the bill bans a physician or other healthcare professional from providing gender transition procedures to any individual under 18 years of age. Okay. A physician or other healthcare professional from referring any individual under 18 years of age to any healthcare professional for gender transition procedures. It also bans public funds from being directly or indirectly used, granted, paid, or distributed to any entity, organization, or individual that provides gender transition procedures to any individual under 18 years of age. There's a little more to it than that, but that's, that's the basic thing there. It is specifically about protecting kids under 18, minors, from having these things done to them that cannot be fully reversed. And that they cannot consent to because they're minors. And supposedly, we all agree in in most other contexts that minors cannot consent. They don't have the full capacity of consent because they don't. Their, Their brains are not fully developed yet. Their brains will not be fully developed, especially the parts of their brain that are involved in discernment, involved in long term thinking and planning. Those parts of their brain won't be fully developed until 25. So they're far away from that. Which, which means it, it's incoherent to say, oh, well, we want to do this procedure on uh, this 16-year-old because they, this is what they want and it's best for them. That's incoherent. They don't really know what they want and they have no idea what's best for them. They can't choose it. In effect... If you are doing a a, a procedure, you know, to use the euphemistic phrase, if you're doing a procedure, if you are mutilating the genitals of a 16-year-old, you are doing it against their will, period, because they cannot choose it. It's the same thing we would say if there was a six, if there was a, uh, you know, a 40-year-old man having sex with a 16-year-old child, we would say, that was against that child's will. Even if they verbally consented, it's against their will because they, can, they cannot actually consent. They cannot psychologically consent to this. So that's really the way to phrase this. This, this bans doctors from performing these procedures on people against their will. And if they're doing it to kids, it's against their will. Now, MSNBC and the rest of the media responded to this about the way you'd expect uh, but I thought this segment was, it, it almost managed to stand out for how incredibly dishonest and misleading it was. Let's, let's listen. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchison has already signed a law banning women and girls from competing on sports teams consistent with their gender identity. Now, the state legislature has sent another anti-trans bill to his desk, one that would ban minors from receiving gender-affirming health care. Unfortunately, Arkansas is not an outlier. According to the ACLU's latest count, legislators in more than half the states have introduced or passed some type of anti-trans legislation. What is motivating this other than hate? Yes, Jonathan, we are seeing a terrible wave of anti-transgender bills across the country. And, you know, this is nothing new for the LGBTQ community. Over the years, we have seen all different types and ways of trying to exclude LGBTQ people from daily life. But these attacks are particularly egregious. We're seeing attacks on young people, on their ability to participate in school, in school sports. And we're seeing attacks on the ability to 
access life-saving, gender-affirming health care. And so the, the nastiness and the in the message from all of these is we do not want you here. We do not want trans youth in our schools. We do not include you. And we we wish to keep you out of our daily life. So terrible. ACLU trans justice campaign strategist. I cannot think of a more useless collection of, of words. Is there a more useless title than that? The whole thing is, is th- what they're talking about, again, what they're defending here is the genital mutilation of children and, and the, um, the chemical castration of children because those are the kinds of drugs that they're using on these kids, chemically castrating them. These are bills that ban the chemical castration of children. And what you have there are you know, leftists on a major media outlet openly defending it. Defending it, you know, here's the thing, defending it not as, uh, they're, they're, they're not approaching this as though they're defending a very controversial stance, okay? Uh, they're defending it like this is obvious. How could anyone, how could anyone be against chemically castrating a 14-year-old boy? <laughs> what is, this is unbelievable. This is absurd. The only reason that you could be against it is hate. Well, yeah, you're right, actually. You're, you're right about that. I am against it for hate. I, I hate the idea of doing that to a kid. I do. I, personally, I really hate the idea of chemically castrating kids, of, uh, of generally mutilating them. I, I hate that idea. So you're right. But notice the, the euphemism again. Now it's... Um, and it keeps, it keeps changing. Once upon a time, we used to call this a sex change surgery. And even that. So it's, it's, it's euphemism on top of euphemism on top of euphemism. Even the term sex change surgery was ridiculous because you, you cannot actually do that. Okay, you, you, you mutilate a man's penis. You have not changed his sex at all. You haven't even come close to doing it. You, you can't do it. It'll never happen. But the, at least there you had the word change and surgery. Okay, so that it was the, the sex part, sex change, that's where the, the euphemism and that's how it became misleading. But at least you had change and surgery. So it, you knew that, okay, this is surgery. It's something a little more serious. Surgery is a serious thing. And we're changing something. We're making a change. But the left can't, they, even that little bit of honesty, they cannot allow. And so we went from uh, sex change surgery to gender reassignment surgery, which now we're, now we're going way into the weeds of delusion here. Going sex, now it's gen- and gender doesn't make any sense because they say that gender, okay, the gender has nothing to do with sex. A guy with a penis can still be a woman in terms of his gender. And so, the, so why, what do you mean you're, gen- if gender is a social construct, how can you reassign it through surgery? If gender has nothing to do with your body, how can you reassign someone's gender with surgery? It doesn't make any sense. Of course, nothing these, these, these maniacs say makes any sense. Um, so it was, so this was sex change surgery, gender reassignment surgery. Um, and now even more of a euphemism because we got gender reassignment. Oh, we're just reassigning. As if it was a sign to begin with, because that's what the doctors do, right? 
they just assign. All they do is they look at the baby and they come up with, with a label, like slapping a sticker on it, assigning it. Um, but then that's, even that was too, too honest. And so now we're at uh, gender affirmation healthcare. We're not changing. It's uh, we're not changing anything. We're just we're affirming by chemically castrating a fourteen-year-old. We're we're affirming something, affirming him in his confusion. I suppose so. Yeah. And it's healthcare. I mean, you're using healthcare now. You're using these drugs off-label. These drugs were not made or developed to be used by physically healthy kids. Euphemism on top of euphemism on top of euphemism. That's, and that's how they get away with this. That's how they change, you know, they, they change public perception. And it's quite brilliant. It's quite evil, quite twisted, but it's quite brilliant on top of it. They're, 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 they never, they're constantly changing the language. They never let, they can never let it be. Because once people start to realize and they get wise to the game, then the left says, okay, we got to change the language again. It's, it, there's, it's a, it's a, they're innovators. It's a process of innovation. Now, it's innovation um, for, in order to deceive. It's innov- innovation for the sake of deception, but it is, it's innovation. Um, all right, let's move on. Number three. A pastor in Canada had the cops show up to his church, and um, this happened uh, on Good Friday, I believe. And I think he, he gave us a, this is how you deal with it. Okay, this right here, I think, is how you deal with the police showing up at, at his church without a warrant, trying to shut him down. And here's how he handled the problem. Let's listen. Please get out. Get out of this property. Immediately get out. Get out of this property immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out. Out. Out of this property immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out. 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 Out of this property immediately out. Immediately go out and don't come back. Don't, I don't want to talk to you. Okay. Not a word. Out of this pro- out of this property immediately. Out. I don't care what you have to say. Out. Out. Out of this property, you Nazis. Out. Out. Gestapo is not allowed here. Immediately, Gestapo is not. All right. So there, there you go. I like how. Uh, I just like how he's not letting the this this lady get a he's some bureaucrat there along with the police, and she's tr- trying to give her line about you know, we'll say whatever we can't even hear what she's saying. He, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna have the conversation with with her. He's saying just get the hell out. We're not talking about this. I'm not I'm not gonna explain to you why I have the right in my church to to uh, to worship you know, with, with, with my flock. I'm not going to explain it to you. We're not going to, we're not going to discuss it. I'm not going to debate it with you. You just need to get the hell out. And so he's screaming at her. And I love that. Happy Easter to that pastor. We need about a million more of him. That's what we need. If we had a million more of that guy, we'd be in good shape. 
million more of those, that guy running churches and, uh, and uh, you know, Christian communities across, across the, the world. That is exactly how to do it. Now, normally, you know, throw in Nazi and Gestapo out there. Normally, I'm not a fan of that, but his idea here is just to heap contempt on on these people. And that I'm fine with because that's what you have to do. And if you're a police officer and you're sent to go shut down a church, you know, and, and, and you follow that order, then you deserve the contempt. Then you deserve that treatment, 100%. I, I think history has taught us, and yes, the Nazis did also teach us this as well, that uh, I'm, follow, I'm following orders is not an excuse. It's not a moral justification. We learned that from the Nazis and from many other historical examples. So you, you follow that order. I, I know, I get it, it's, it's difficult. You could lose your job. Who knows what else could happen? But when you're told by your superiors, yeah, we need you to go shut down this church on Good Friday, uh, your answer should be, hell no, not going to happen. Okay, um, not really related, but on the subject of Easter and pastors, we go from good to evil here. Because I, I, I did have to mention this. Senator Warnock of, of Georgia, uh, fake Christian, fake pastor. So we got a good, good pastor there looking out for his flock. Here we have a, a fake one and someone trying to lead his flock astray. And here's what he tweeted. And he deleted this, which is interesting. But he tweeted, uh, the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We could really just stop it right there. The meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. More transcendent. Not, not even the meaning of Easter is, is, is something other than. It's more transcendent than. Uh, then he continues, whether you're Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. My God. And this is a... Christian, Christian pastor. He has his own church. Uh, the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I think I don't have to explain, right? I don't think I have to explain why this is heresy. And not, not heresy. You're not calling it heresy in some sort of colloquial way because I... No, it, this is actual heresy. This is what heresy sounds like. Um, in, in fact, the meaning of Easter is only the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's all it is. That's everything it is. It doesn't need to be more than that. That's it. That's everything. But even the, the, so you have heresy here, which is the, really the main problem. But also on top of the heresy, you have this dull kind of nothing sort of message. Is it what he's saying? What is to him, what is more transcendent than Jesus Christ rising from the grave? The tomb is empty. Rising, we have Christ rising from the grave to redeem mankind, would seem to me to be the, the most transcendent thing ever in the history of reality. What does he say is more transcendent than that? Um, helping others, a commitment to helping others. This dry HR manager type lingo is what he wants to replace 
the resurrection of Jesus with. What does that even mean? Whether you're Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we're able to save ourselves? Again, leaving aside the heresy of it, if we can do that, what does that mean? Helping others what? See, you're not helping your flock when you spew heresy at them, number one. And number two, when you say something like, well, we should help others, okay? Yes, everyone, I don't think anyone is against helping in principle. There's no anti-helping faction out there. But it really depends on what are we helping people do and how are we helping them do it? That's what we need to know. I I would think that um, as Christians, we should be helping others live holy and godly lives as best we can. That's the sort of help we should be giving people. Of course, we can't do that for them. We can't save them. We can't redeem them. uh, But we can help people as as best as we can. You know, Thomas Aquinas said, loving to love someone is to will the good of the other. And so um, to the extent that we can, we can will the good of others. We can help them on the path to holiness, just as we would hope that they would do for us. Yeah, that's a worthwhile message. Not when you package it with heresy, but, but it's a worthwhile message. A fine message for Easter. But that's not, of course, what Raphael Warnock is saying. He doesn't mean help others in, in holiness. What he means is, um, and when he says helping, really the people doing the helping would be the government. But people like him, he's a senator. And that's, that's what he, so, so helping is, is through things like policy and law. And that's how you create a, a utopia on earth. Is by ceding all of your power to these government officials who will then uh, point you in the right direction by compelling you there and by c- creating a policy that will, that will you know, uh, instate a utopia. And, and that's, that's, that's his theology, which is not at all a Christian u- theology in the slightest bit. Okay, number five, this is from the BBC. It says, Amazon has apologized to a U.S. politician for falsely denying that drivers are at times forced to urinate in plastic bottles. Mark Pocan, a Democrat from Wisconsin, referenced Amazon making, quote, workers urinate in water bottles in a tweet. The official Amazon Twitter account then replied, if that were true, nobody would work for us. The company has now apologized after evidence emerged of drivers having to urinate in bottles. Uh, Amazon said a statement, we owe an apology to Representative Pocan. The tweet was incorrect. It did not contemplate our larger driver population and instead wrongly focused only on our fulfillment centers. Um, it added that fulfillment centers all have dozens of toilets that employees can use at any time. Okay. I, I, I do not have the, I, I have no interest really in, in defending Amazon here at all. That's, that's not a job that I'm going to take on for myself. But I, I, I will say it. I don't quite understand how it's Amazon's fault if a driver has to urinate in a bottle. Which, can I say, who among us, who among us has not had to come up with creative urination solutions? while on long road trips. Who among us? But in any case, what, what is Amazon supposed to do? They've got drivers. They've got to drive across the country. Are they themselves supposed to build, you know, uh, rest stops every, every three miles everywhere in the country? And if you're a man peeing in a bottle, which I would assume you'd probably be a man if you're doing that, 
Um, that, that's, that's, that's really your own fault because, you, what, you can't find a tree anywhere? I mean, if you're reduced to that, I, I don't see how we can blame Amazon for that. that. That is the one little defense of Amazon I will give. Okay, moving on to reading the comments. This is from Jackson Brinton, who says, Matt, I'm 16 and I still believe in the Easter Bunny. Thank you for letting me know he isn't real. Well, Jackson, plenty of 16-year-olds believe in dumber things than the Easter Bunny, so you're not too far behind them. Uh, another comment says, the concept of the Easter Bunny being six feet tall is an entirely new concept to me. When I was a kid, I was told he was the size of an ordinary rabbit. Wait a second, what? You thought the Easter Bunny was the size of an ordinary rabbit? How, then how did you think, how was he bringing you the Easter basket? What did he bring you? Did he bring you anything? Doesn't make any sense. I always, I guess I, I, well, that was my point last week is that we, we never had any agreement on who the Easter Bunny is or what he does or anything. Um, and I guess I was never specifically told that the Easter Bunny is six feet tall. I just assumed that he must be. If he's bringing all this stuff, how else would he drag it in the house? Um, Emery says, my dad always wanted a son and ended up with two daughters. He jokingly called us little men and he tried to uh, get, get us into things he understood, fishing, hunting, motorcycles, etc. Granted, I was a total tomboy as a child, but still it's mind-boggling to me that parents actually try to change their kids' identities because they aren't happy with the sex they were created as. Uh, yeah, mind-boggling. It is What it is for parents, there is uh, a diagnosis for it, in fact, even though these parents will never be diagnosed with this now, but this is uh, Munchausen by proxy. That's what this is. Um, and Munchausen by proxy is when parents, usually it's a mother, and oftentimes with the trans kids, you find that it's a mother, especially when it's a boy becoming a girl. Oftentimes, coincidentally, you find that there's a mother, a mother very, very involved in this process. Um, and uh, with Munchausen by proxy, it's oftentimes a mother who um, makes her child believe that he is sick. She fabricates sickness for the child and sometimes causes the child to be sick by poisoning the child or something. Uh, And she does this, number one, because she's mentally ill, and number two, because it's attention for her and sympathy for her. The trans child phenomenon is that. It is is Munchausen by proxy, only it has been normalized and uh, romanticized, and now we're supposed to to accept it. Um, Finally, let's see. Uh, Gerard says, I consider Matt an authority on pull-ups. The understanding of momentum and formicide, just look at those guns wanting to pop out of that non-polka dot shirt. Well, Gerard, I'm going to let the polka dot comment slide for the time being. And the fact that you're a guy talking about things popping out of my shirt, uh, I'm a a little disturbed by that. I don't know if I'm the authority on um, pull-ups, but uh, but just in the sense that I know how to do them properly. And, and, And I mean, generally, if you're doing muscle building exercises, if you want to build muscle mass, there shouldn't really be momentum in your exercises because it's all about form and control. That's what the muscle building exercises are. A lot of guys I see at the gym, are, are they're going way too fast. They don't have enough control over their movement. Uh, they're using weight, more weight than they can handle because, you know, they, because it looks better to use the heavier weights. The other great thing about doing the exercises properly is that, because um, the other thing you see at the gym is you see people on the ab machines and all, they got all kinds of different ab things people are doing. All of that is unnecessary because number one, if you've got gut, if you've got fat on your gut, you can do all the ab exercise in the world. It's not going to really do anything about that gut fat because uh, you got to diet. You got to do a lot of cardio for that. But number two, if you're doing muscle building exercises correctly with the proper form and your core is engaged and tight, then every exercise is, a, is, a, is an ab exercise too. 
That's a tip. A little fitness tip. I hear from businesses all the time uh, that it's, it's, it's always tough to find the right people to fill the positions that you have open, but it's, and it's, it's only getting harder. You know, it's just, it's harder and harder. If you're a business owner who's hiring, you probably face a lot of challenges when it comes to finding the right person for your role. That's why hiring can feel like uh, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is sit around and hope that it finds the right person. No reason to do that. This is why you need ZipRecruiter. Uh, you can do that for free at ZipRecruiter.com Walsh. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology actively finds the people with the right skill set and experience for your job and invites them to apply. So it's not sitting there in cyberspace hoping someone stumbles upon it. Uh, they're going to go and find those people. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. You can't argue with success like that. You, you, you simply can't. So while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. It's that simple. The needle in the haystack. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com Walsh. Once again, remember to go to this unique place, ZipRecruiter.com W-A-L-S-H. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now, as we uh, return from Easter and Passover, it's important to reflect on the impact that these holidays have on our faith and the impact that Judeo-Christian values have on our culture. More and more, the left wants to erase these values and replace them with their own pseudo-morality. And that's why we've launched a brand new talk show with Candace Owens, one of the fiercest protectors of conservative values and free speech. You can go behind the headlines and Twitter fights to see Candace as herself, funny, political, and insightful. Uh, watch her host lively discussion panels and exclusive interviews with always exciting uh, guests such as myself. Candace is also the first Daily Wire show to appear in front of a live studio audience, which is really exciting. And, um, an element that's rarely been seen in conservative media at all. And that's, that's a, a whole new thing. We're doing a lot of new things with Candace's show. So if you need some Candace Owens in your podcast feed, look no further. Head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe today. And be sure to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today we're going to be canceling the CDC. The CDC is by far my most canceled government agency. It, it provides me with so many reasons to cancel it so often that sometimes the most pertinent cancellation opportunities get lost in the shuffle. So here's one from last week that I missed. Um, reading the article from CNBC, it says, the, senators, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have extended the national ban on evictions through the end of June. Uh, quote, the, the COVID-19 pandemic has presented a historic threat to the nation's public health. This according to the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, uh, keeping people in their homes and out of crowded or congregated settings like homeless shelters by preventing evictions is a key step in helping to stop the spread of COVID-19. The eviction ban was scheduled to expire in two days and advocates warned of a spike in evictions without an extension. Uh, around 20% of adult renters said they didn't pay last month's rent, according to a survey published in March by the Census Bureau, closer to 33% of black renters reported the same. Now, as to that last line, I must ask, uh, so why do you need to tell us the statistic for black renters specifically? Are you also going to tell us that the percentage for Asian renters, French American renters, renters of Pacific Island descent and so on? No, of course not. But still, for whatever reason, we need that specific information on black renters. In any case, more to the point here. How in God's holy name does the CDC have the power to issue a ban on evictions? From where do they derive that authority? The CDC, last I checked, is the Center for Disease Control. Do they become the Center for Disease Control and Housing at some point recently, and I missed it? 
Did CDC and HUD morph into some kind of federal megazord and we weren't informed? No, the CDC is still the CDC. And yet they've claimed this authority for themselves without any concern for the legality of it. As for the legality question, multiple federal judges have ruled that, no, they don't have this power. ABC News says this, uh, quote, U.S. District Judge Philip Calabrese, sitting in Cleveland, ruled Wednesday that the CDC went beyond what the Federal Public Health Service Act allows it to do in ordering a halt on evictions. Okay, but wait for the kicker here because it continues. However, he did not grant an injunction, injunction that would have stopped the agency from enforcing the moratorium. Yes, the federal judges are ruling that this is not constitutional because they have no choice but to rule that way. Because even they lack the legal creativity to conjure this constitutional authority out of thin air, yet they still aren't willing to do anything about it. Instead, they're standing off at a distance and symbolically shaking their fists. Ah, blasted CDC, I disapprove of this. Disapprove, I say. I guess when you shake your fist, it's more like this, right? Yeah, there we go. Um, it's all an act, of course. The, the federal government has no interest in curbing its own power. Many federal agencies, along with governmental institutions at the state and local levels, have used COVID as an opportunity to claim unprecedented power for themselves. They've been like sugar-mad children at a birthday party, clawing over each other to grab the candy that fell out of the piñata. The candy, the treat in this case, is power. And government agencies have been in a mosh pit brawl, fighting with each other to scoop, scoop up every little bit of it that they can. The CDC, I think, has played this game perhaps better than any of the rest of them. And this is how it, found, it finds itself now waving its royal scepter and decreeing that landlords may not evict tenants, even if those tenants refuse to pay their rent. Now, um, we should not let the question of authority obscure the perhaps more important point, or at least as important point. This is, this is also a really terrible idea on the merits, no matter who is enforcing this. Landlords, contrary to popular belief, are not all a bunch of Scrooge McDucks swimming in their vats of gold coins. To be a landlord, you only need the capital to make a down payment on a property. That's all you need. You don't need to be a millionaire for that. The whole point of renting out the property is that the renters, the renters will pay or significantly help with the rest of the expenses. And there are many expenses to include the obvious stuff like mortgage and utilities. If renters are not paying their fair share, then landlords, who again are for the most part not wealthy fat cats, they have to reach into their own pockets. Now they're bankrupting themselves so that someone else can live for free. Now, yes, that other person may be struggling because of COVID, but so is the landlord. So, so one struggling guy gets to live for free. The other has to pay for himself and the other guy. Where's the justice in that? Like they're, 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 Remember, there are two struggling guys here. So we, you, you, you choose to help one at the expense of the other? Never mind the fact that only a certain portion of renters actually did lose the ability to pay their rent because of COVID. We seem to have forgotten this in general. That not everyone lost income during, a lot of people did. Not everyone. In fact, most people didn't. The employment, the unemployment rate got really high, but it never got anywhere near above 50%. So the vast majority of people are, are basically in the same financial situation now that they were a year ago. The majority still have a job, didn't lose any significant income last year. The, the eviction moratorium excuses even employed renters with plenty of money in the bank 
from paying their bills. It puts all that extra burden on the landlord for literally no reason. The eviction ban could have at least said that unemployed renters are excused, but instead it excuses everyone. Again, for no reason. For the majority of renters, there is no reason why they can't or shouldn't pay their rent. Then what happens when the landlords can no longer afford the properties that the renters are living in? Well, they go bankrupt. And then they lose those properties. What happens then? In many cases, the bank takes over. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the little guy really benefits here if by the little guy we mean the banks. In the long run, the effect is that there will be fewer landlords renting out fewer properties, which means fewer living options for people who, who, who cannot afford to buy or don't want to buy. This, while even more power and wealth, is transferred to the banks. And that's what the lockdowns have really wrought. And that's why the lockdowns were really put in place in the first place. So that the wealthy and powerful could become more wealthy and more powerful. And I don't mean landlords when I say wealthy and powerful. I mean banks, government agencies, the CDC. They make out literally like bandits. But as we covered at the beginning, the left is on the side of the wealthy and powerful. So it's no surprise to see them cheering along again in this case. And that is why, once again, and I hope it sticks this time, but I have my doubts. The CDC is canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Koromina. Hair makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Walsh Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. A Canadian pastor teaches Americans a thing or two about freedom and religion. MLB gets woke-er, and Charles Barkley sees what's really going on in race relations. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.